Welcome to the Kid Men Podcast with Dr. Val and Dr. Virginia, where we talk about everything Kid Men. And pull back the curtain on some of the surprises and challenges in children's ministry that nobody prepares you for. I'm Dr. Val, and together we have over 45 years of experience in children's ministry. I'm Dr. Virginia. Valerie and I met over 10 years ago in our doctoral program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. We are excited to share with you all the great stuff that we have picked up over the years. We want to minister to you, the children's minister. Welcome. Dr. Virginia, how are you today? Good. How are you, Valerie? Dr. Valerie? (laughs) I'm good. I'm glad to be with you today. I love this time of year. My granddaughters are 13 and nine. Oh my gosh. I remember when the nine-year-old was born. She's nine? How is that possible? It's just crazy. I don't know. (laughs) They just all grow up too fast. Um, they are very ready for summer. So they're very excited. About it. <laughs> we are too. We are too <laughs> in our household. Cause my husband's a teacher as well. So he teaches middle school and high school Bible. And so he loves it, but he's also working at two jobs right now. So he's doing, you know, teaching Bible at a Christian school. And he's also right. right now being an interim youth pastor. And so he is very busy. He's ready to work one job for the summer instead of doing Two jobs at a time. So. I know. Yeah, he's not going to know what to do with himself. He's going to be like, I've got so much time to do this work. No, actually, yeah. he's going to be overwhelmed because there's nothing like yeah. summer in a church. It's, yeah. it's especially nonstop. in children and youth ministry. It is just, it is nonstop and there's a mm-hmm. billion things to do. And so it's just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a little overwhelming. Yep. So yep. it's got to get summer. Well, you know, I think that that works really nicely with what we're going to be talking about today because we wanted to talk a little bit about, um, classroom management and student engagement in a classroom in a church setting. And it's very different from what a classroom is like in a school setting. Yes. That's something that we talk about a lot. And, and, you know, that my husband talks about like wanting, he's like, okay, I have to remember that, you know, whenever I'm teaching youth on a Wednesday night at church, it's not the same as in my classroom and that his expectations in his classroom are very different (laughs) And then right. for Wednesday night. Right. So, right. yeah. Well, your goals are very different. And yes. I think that that's what leaders sometimes forget because your goals in church, kids don't have to come to church. They mm-hmm. have to go to school. Mm-hmm. They do not have to come to church. And we mm-hmm. also want them to love coming to church and to yeah. enjoy their time at church. But we want them to learn at the same time. So when your goals are different for a classroom, then you have to look at what your goals are and then plan your 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 time together accordingly, because it's it's different. You're not trying to teach them certain things. You're you're trying to to show them the love of Christ. You're trying to show them um, mm-hmm. how we worship together as a family, how we study the word of God together as a family. And we want it to be fun and enjoyable. There still has to be rules. Right. There still has to be a, a, a process that happens. Mm-hmm. And so, so I think that that's like super important to kind of remember it's, it's more complicated than, than that. Right. I, I had a, a, a lady ask me at a conference one time, she said, Oh, I'm, I'm so glad that you're here because I need some help. Like I have a student in my class that um, is dyslexic and she keeps switching her B's and her D's. 
know, how can I help her do that better? And I said, you know what the great thing is? You don't have to. At church, you don't have to. Church can be the one place that that girl can come where nobody stresses over her B's and D's. Or nobody stresses over her struggles with her academic world that she can just come and enjoy and be and do. And you don't have to worry about that. You let her teachers and her parents take care of that aspect and you just love on her and help her to relax more in the classroom. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, that's a great answer and a great example. It's like, you know, I'm in some different um, like social media groups for children's ministry and stuff. And just kind of having the question come up of like, you know, well, how do I, so how do I get these kids to act right, right. if I can't enact, <laughs> you know, right. real discipline, whatever discipline. that is. You, you yes. don't have the same discipline yes. options because yes. again, they don't, you only have them for one hour a week right. typically. And you don't have those same discipline options that they would have in a public school setting or in in any kind of educational, Mm -hmm. you know, proper setting where they have them for eight hours a day, five days a week. Because you don't want that one hour to be spent half the time in time out or whatever, you know, like, right? yeah. yeah. And so, yeah. And so just looking at classroom management and student engagement as two sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. Because if we can keep students engaged and learning and focused and busy, Mm -hmm. then they don't have very much of a chance to act up or cause discipline issues um, because they're busy doing things that they enjoy and they're busy learning. So, Right. That's in, in the church setting. Preparation is key. Amen. Because if if you don't give kids something to do, they are going to find something. Yep. And it's not going to be something constructive. (laughs) And it's not going to be something constructive. And it's going to be easy for them to lose focus and easy for them. And typically where you're going to see classroom management issues, you're going to see it during transitions, during Mm -hmm. downtimes, during times where you don't have a very specific focus. And so you're exactly right. It's, it's more a, an idea of not how can I discipline these children in a more effective way? It's how can I engage my children in a more yes. effective way yes. so that they are learning and not realizing that they're learning, but also so that they are, you know, so captivated by what they're working on yes. that they're not tempted to find right. other things to keep right. themselves right. busy. Right. And you know what? One of the things, this is something that you said years ago, whenever we first met, that I have never forgotten and that I have repeated probably a hundred times to volunteers is one of the things that you said is that whoever's in the room first sets the tone for the rest of the time. Right. So that's why you always want to be there early before all of your kids. That way you set the tone. That way you don't have kids going in there without parents or even if their parents are there, like running wild, pulling out toys, doing whatever. Mm -hmm. That way from the very beginning, from the very start of your time, you set the tone and the direction of how things are going to go. So before we even get started, that's something that I have never, ever forgotten. So it's so true though, (laughs) because you know, it's, it's, that's who has control of the room is who is, is there first. And if you can, if you can be there early, which I know is super hard, I know it's really difficult to be able to do, but if the classroom teacher can be there early, have everything set out for all of the activities that are going to be done for the hour. 
and be prepared just to welcome the kids when they come in. Um, because it's, it's like you said, usually that downtime when they're trying to get things prepared, you know, having children, yes. sort of, you know, can you just sit here for a minute while I go get this or while I do this or, <laughs> oh, I can't find this or I need this. That's just, that's the times when, right. when you're going to lose control. And, and so, yeah. So if you can be there first in the room, if you can have your things ready um, I had lots of teachers over the years that would actually come in the night before if they were in the mm -hmm. early, like they would come and I would just make sure that I could be there to let them in the building so that they could just come in and just quickly mm -hmm. set up. It wouldn't take them, you know, right. 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So because maybe they had the 815 service and so it was mm -hmm. hard for them to be there early enough to be the first one in the room. And right. so that way they were set up the night before and then they came in before the kids got there and they didn't have that rush. It was ready to go. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's good to go. And so it's, it's just taking that little bit of time to prep a little early is mm -hmm. a very, very good thing to do. You know, Amen. For sure. What other ideas and things do you have that might help with classroom management? Yeah. Well, we'll just jump on in with attention spans, okay. um, which I know is something that you and I, <laughs> I feel like we probably talked to yes. people about like a hundred a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, just that, you know, whenever we think about attention spans, we want to estimate about one minute per year of life. And All right. So I need you to really stop and think about that for just a minute. So that means if you have a nine-year-old in the classroom, how long of an attention span do they have? Nine minutes. Nine minutes. That's about how long you have for them. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's the, the, the thing that I probably would see the most when churches would ask me to come and just sort of monitor to, to just, you know, like they'd ask me, can you just go into classrooms and kind of see what our teachers are doing and kind of get an idea of what's going on? Probably one of the biggest things that I would see is that they would have young children, eight or nine or even 10, and they would have them sitting at tables in chairs while they taught the Bible study for 30 minutes or longer, just mm -hmm. the teaching portion, because they enjoyed that, you know, getting up and teaching the lesson and, and, and they mm -hmm. were struggling to get the kids to pay attention and to sit still. And they were, you know, kind of forcing right. them to sit still for that 30 minutes. It's, it's not going to happen. It's, it's kids aren't be, designed to do that. They yeah. are not, they're not yeah. built that way. And right. so I know that they have to do that more in an educational setting, but again, we are teaching them, but we want to teach them differently when they come right. to church because we right. want to engage with them more. And so having them expecting them to sit for 30 minutes is, it's not right. going to happen. So that remembering that number is right. super important. And even, I just think of even like with preschoolers, say you work with four-year-olds or five-year-olds, you've got to be transitioning every five minutes. Right. So if you have an hour then, I mean, you've got to come in with 20, not necessarily 20 different activities, right. but you're going to have to be ready to do lots of different things. Okay, we're right. going to teach the Bible for five minutes, not 10 minutes, right. five minutes. Right. And then we're going to stand up and we're going to sing a song and we're going to do songs with hand motions. And then we're going to sit back down and we'll do a craft and then we're going to stand back up and we're going to do songs. And so mm -hmm. building in lots of different activities mm -hmm. um, and working that around their attention spans. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we kind of touched on this a little, but being prepared even with extra things. <laughs> extra things you are know? huge. Who knows what's going to happen? Every yes. classroom is different. <laughs> yes. I, I, can, I can tell you that I have had 
activities that I've done with some groups that they loved and worked great. And then I've done those same activities. And then the next year, with another group, And it's horrible. And yeah. it takes two minutes and they're done. And it's not, <laughs> you know. So what you have to do is you have to find some basic things that you know your kids love to do. Mm-hmm. Whether it's they really get into Play-Doh. They really get into blocks. They really mm-hmm. get in, you know, to, to a game with a ball. They really get, you know, that you, you find a few of those things and you just keep them in your classroom all the time mm-hmm. so that you have those extra things. I mean, I always plan for more than I have time to do when I'm planning the lesson. Yes. Most curricula yes, 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 yes. give you that option. They're going to give you more things than you do. When we write, mm-hmm. we write more than you can do. You, yeah. you want to prepare for more, but you don't have to expect to get through everything. Right. But you want to have a couple of activities at the end that you always know you can go to mm-hmm. if mm-hmm. you have that extra time. And that's mm-hmm. the great thing about teaching Bible is because like, let's say that, let's say that you, the kids love to use Play-Doh. It's really simple for you to just take that material and come up with a way to review the Bible oh, yeah. story with it or oh, yeah. a Bible verse with it. Because yeah. there's a billion different things you can do mm-hmm. with it. And so it doesn't have to be an activity where it's like super complicated and super right. detailed. It can just be something simple, but that can be your go-to. I always kept like a cush ball mm-hmm. because I always would do the, where they would just stand somewhere around the room and we would toss the ball and I would ask them a review question or I would ask them you know, to do like one word of a Bible verse and toss it around, you know, there's a billion mm-hmm. like little review yes. games that you can do with a ball, right. With any Bible verse, with any Bible story. And mm-hmm. so those kinds of, if you have those items, then that's going to help you. Then you can incorporate those. And that's actually good. I was going to show um, a book. So this is um, this particular book. Uh, 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 yeah. Um, it's from a series um, from Lifeway called Kid Mentor. Ah, you got one too. <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> I, have I had it right here ready to yeah, show. Just a yeah. different version. Like this one is the great yes. things to teach. And I think you had. This one's Object uh, Lessons. Object Lessons. Um, there's, I think, five total of these books. There you are. can buy them individually or separately. Um, and it's right. just got great ideas of games and things you can just, like what you said, just have in your back pocket to where it's like, okay, I know I've got five different games and whenever we've got, you know, extra time, I can pull this, you know, the cush ball or the whatever out of my bag, out of the pan, not pantry, but out of the, right. out of the cabinet, <laughs> cupboard, yeah, out of the cabinet, yeah. yeah, and play these games. And so, you know, uh, Pinterest even, I love Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there's resources like these books, there's free resources you can find online, um, just to kind of build up, um, I don't want to say a stockpile, because it's not like you need hundreds of them, but to kind of build up like a little list, a little grouping of these activities that are easy to pull in as needed. So yes, you don't, you could, if you could just find yourself just a couple of hours one afternoon, just Mm -hmm. to plan yourself. And and this is a, like I said, a little bag, a little box, a little thing in the storage cabinet Mm -hmm. that just has a couple of extra things that you could pull out on a moment's notice. It's Mm going to save you so much grief because Mm -hmm. again, you never know when an activity is going to bomb or when you also might, or if you were a children's minister, you may be called into a classroom that you didn't have a chance to prepare for. And you you, you don't know 
activities and things to do. And so if you have those kind of little things that you can pull in and do, you can still focus on the Bible verse. You can still focus on your main point of the lesson. You can still focus on the Bible story and you can use these little items, you know, to be able to help you do that. And also, let me tell you, if you walk out of a classroom and the only thing you can celebrate is that no blood was spilled. That's a great day. If you have to come up with, you know, a seven up game or something just <laughs> yes. to use as a filler for just a few minutes yeah. that doesn't even necessarily have to do with your lesson, something that would get them moving, something that will help, yeah. you know, engage them and keep them occupied. Don't stress. That's fine because you can yeah. always, like I said, you can always take a moment before that game or after that game to review the story or yes. to do something. Yes. It does not have to be an object lesson activity right. if you right. need, you know, it's just great to have those those types of things just ready to go in a moment's notice that's going to give you that little extra time to sort of recenter yourself and, and refocus the kids and mm -hmm. redirect them because redirection is going to be your best friend during a, a, a church setting activity time. It's going to be your friend because redirection is your best way to handle classroom management. Amen. Amen. Um, and you know, one of the, that makes me think one of the activities that I would do, one of the ones I would pull out in an emergency notice that was really easy to do would be four corners. Right. Um, and so just get you a sticky note or a piece of paper and I would write like four elements of the Bible study. Like say we're doing Jesus feeds the 5,000, yep. one corner's Jesus, one corner's the 5,000, one's bread, right. one's fish. And we right. play four corners with those four things, you right. know? Yeah. And so, yeah, it's I easy. love that one because it's good and it, it's moving. It gets the yes. moving. One yes. of my favorite things that I learned during our um, classes when we were working on our doctorate was that a, a, a specialist came in and talked about that there is a chemical in our brains that's released when we're in motion. And that chemical that's released when we're in motion helps with retention. Mm. So basically, mm. God created us to yes. learn while we move. Amen. And so anytime we can have the kids being active in the classroom, mm -hmm. it's a good thing for them because they yes. were made to learn while they move. And so the more motion we can get with them mm -hmm. in a safe way in a yes. classroom. So right, right. You know, it's hard. But the, the activities like that, like mm -hmm. the seven up, like four corners, like mm -hmm. silent ball, like, you know, anything that's going to get them up and moving. Those are those basic games, classroom games that are really great to do mm -hmm. that you can find a way to connect it to the story if you need right. to without right. too much trouble. Right. So, yeah. Well, and that's a great connecting point to talking about learning styles, talking yes. about, my yeah, favorite yeah, yeah, yeah. You have a bell yeah. or something every time we talk about a learning style, because that's like ding, 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 ding. yeah, 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 love it, love it. Uh, yeah, just talking about, you know, our visual, auditory, kinesthetic learners, because everything you're saying, and like, I personally am such a kinesthetic learner, so a mm -hmm. lot of what I do with kids is up and moving and hand motions and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I talk with my hands clearly. So yeah, so teaching to those different learning styles and I'll let yes. you hop in. Oh, I'm a visual learner for sure. That's, mm. that's sort of my sweet spot and I, mm. I need to see things. So it, it helps me to be able to do verses on cards and manipulate 
with items and having the pictures and doing the, the different things where you can see and do and, and mm-hmm. actually act things out and do things. And so I tend to stick towards the visual stuff for me because it helps me to be able to learn that way. And there are specific, we, they have found that there are eight basic learning styles that, that, you know, everyone has mm-hmm. multiple learning styles. You have more than one way that you learn. Cause a lot of people will say, right. Oh, I'm definitely visual. And then once you start going through and, talking about each one, they're like, oh, wait a minute. I really do think that maybe, you know, nature has something right. to do with my, or music has something to do with my, and so we all have multiple learning styles, but we do mm-hmm. tend to have ones that we lean towards prefer. more often mm-hmm. and that we prefer. And so, and for kids, it's just natural for them. It just comes very natural. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I think it's really important that we think about that when we are thinking about the classroom, mm-hmm. because sometimes we have to kind of look around and say, okay, what is it about you know, this particular child, what is it that they really mm-hmm. connect with? What did they mm-hmm. really enjoy? What did they like? Mm-hmm. And then find those things that you can do to be able to, um, to be able to connect with them. Because mm-hmm. obviously, again, you're talking about one hour a week, right? So you're not talking about a lot of time to really build the trust in things that a classroom mm-hmm. teacher in a school setting right. has the right. time to be able to do. Right. Um, and again, we don't have the discipline options that they would necessarily have in a classroom in an educational setting at school. So it, it, sometimes it takes a little bit of extra thought to, to, you know, to, to make it work, but it's finding those, those things that kids enjoy to learn through mm-hmm. is the, is the key. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. Well, and it's like, and I think as adults, we either one, taught how we teach how we were taught right or two teach our preferences which I already admitted I do lots of hand motions because I like them um and so being very conscious and intentional Mm -hmm. to incorporate these other types of styles because sometimes you don't know like you said like you couldn't figure out what was going on with him and sometimes you'll try an activity that you wouldn't normally do and you don't think it's going to go over well and instead it's awesome And so, so sometimes it just takes us also being very conscious and aware to get out of our comfort zone, try something new. If it flops, it flops. It's okay. It is a big Um, deal. They are kids. They are not, I mean, they are not going to judge you and remember things. As a matter of fact, if you embarrass yourself, they're only going to like you more for it. (laughs) And, and so it really doesn't, for me, music is not my thing. Me either. I cannot sing well. And I've always said the only time you will ever see me sing is with a group of kids because I cannot carry a tune at all. Mm -hmm. And so I tend to shy away from anything that has to do with music because I'm so uncomfortable with that. But I have to force myself to do it because there are some kids, kids love that it. love music. Yes. And music is such a great way for kids to learn. Yes. And yes. so for me, it's just stepping outside of that comfort zone and being okay with being terrible at it and just admitting it up front and just <laughs> leaning into it and just really making it, you know, right. a part of the it's classroom n- setting. And because it's not about us anyway, you know, right. we're not, go- not we're not on American Idol. It's okay. No. And it's yeah. okay. And if, yeah. and, 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 and I've had some years where I've tried music and none of the kids want to sing and they're not interested in it. And so then I, I move on and find the other things, but yeah. you, you take that time, you, you know, you, you try to kind of figure out because every group of kids is going to be different. different. It doesn't matter if they're the same age or the same grade They're mm-hmm. it's always going to be different. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and one thing, um, just to continue on and slash maybe change gears a little bit is I, um, 
I remember once sitting in um, a classroom. This has been a long time ago. This was years ago. And I watched a teacher sit and try to engage students in conversation with questions that like were like, whew, straight up over their head. And I remember sitting there and it was like all I could do to like, you know, white knuckling the table (laughs) to try to not like interrupt and be like, ah, I see what you're trying to do, but you're asking kids, you know, sort of these hypothetical, what if, you know, kind of questions that these first graders aren't going to understand. Right. And so, you know, I think part of, Managing our classroom well, using our time well, teaching effectively is understanding where our kids are developmentally. Definitely. And and teaching, you know, in line with just how their little brains work and right. how they think. Right. Um, and so, and which is something like child development is one of the things that I really, really love and that I teach about and love teaching about. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the resources that I was going to show and share is another one that you love. <laughs> Do you have, do you have one of these two? Do you have one? I I actually don't have it (laughs) right here, but Uh I have it in a box somewhere in here for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, And so. Levels of biblical learning. Yes. It's such a wonderful resource. If you have not, you you can find it on the Lifeway website. You Mm -hmm. can find it, um, you know, through Lifeway. They are glad to, to get copies to people because it's incredibly helpful. And this um, is just like a little um, pamphlet almost. Mm-hmm. And I would buy, you could buy these, you buy 10 of these in like a, a package. Yeah. And I mean, it was like maybe $5 or something. Mm-hmm. It's like definitely no more than $10. Right. And I would give these out to parents, volunteers, everyone very liberally. Right. Um, because it gives kind of a breakdown and explanation of um, the characteristics of kids at each age um, and the concepts that they can learn. And it's very, very helpful in understanding um, what you can expect um, from kids, what what they, how they learn, how they think, what they can learn at each age. And so I think coming into the classroom with um, really (laughs) well-formed expectations for what kids can do and can learn learn and can understand at each age that way we're not overestimating them or underestimating them. Right. Um, Well, and that's that's the problem. I think in church often, especially if you have grown up in church, there are phrases, there are words Mm -hmm. that we become very comfortable with and that Mm -hmm. we understand immediately Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you hear, if you, if you were raised in church and you hear a pastor say, ask Jesus to come into your heart, you mm-hmm. know, immediately that that pastor is talking about salvation, that, mm-hmm. that he is you know talking about what we need to remember though, is that if a preschooler, if a young child, if a you know, first grader or second grader hears the phrase, ask Jesus to come into your heart, they're concrete thinkers. And so we have had kids before in churches, situations where when they've heard that, they've run out of the room screaming because they think you literally, like they're picturing like you literally cutting open their heart and placing Jesus inside. Like they have that sense of like thinking that that is a very literal statement when it's not, it's it's painting a picture that adults understand that it's really hard for children to understand. But I cannot tell you the number of times that I hear pastors, even children's pastors and youth pastors 
say that to children who would like to ask Jesus into their heart today, thinking that they're, you know, speaking on right, their level right. when they are really not understanding what right. the pastor's talking about. So we do need to think about words that we use, phrases mm -hmm. that we use and mm -hmm. what's age appropriate and what mm -hmm. kids can really understand and process mm -hmm. when we're speaking. And so um, that's why having resources like mm -hmm. um, the one that you just showed, like, you know, certain material that you are, mm -hmm. are using in your church that, uh, that that's written for different grade levels, it's really mm -hmm. important. And I think giving good definitions to church words as well, because mm -hmm. I think, you know, like we can use the word repentance and, you know, you can have a third or fourth grader look puzzled. And it's not because they don't understand that word because right. they're learning all sorts of vocabulary at school. It's right. because we haven't stopped to take the time to define it for them. And that's on right. us. Right. Right. And so giving good definitions and good explanations for our terminology is is key as well, because you know, whenever I talk about repentance, whenever I talk about sin, I always say like, this isn't really a word you hear anywhere other than church. You know, what does this mean? You know, repent means right. we're going in one direction. We turn around, we turn and we go the opposite direction. We're going away from God. We turn around, we go toward God. We repent. Um, and, and, and talking about sin, like sin's not a word that you hear outside the church. Like it's disobeying mm -hmm. God. And so I think giving good definitions to our words right. Right. is something that we forget to do because you're right. They're so just ingrained in our vocabulary that we can't remember the first time we learned these words, right. but we still have to stop and define them for kids. Right. So, right. Yeah. And I think that this is especially difficult if you are in a church that has uh, classrooms that are, are multi-aged classrooms mm. that are set up yes. for kids of varying ages, because mm -hmm. if you have a, for example, a classroom that has first through sixth graders in it, it's a big difference. That is yeah. a big difference. What the yeah. sixth grader can understand mm -hmm. and what the first grader can understand are two very different things. And that's a situation that we run into a lot, not just in, for example, a Sunday school classroom, but maybe if you have a children's church situation where you right. have a large age group of kids that are in the room at the same time, finding ways to be able to engage the sixth grader or the fifth grader mm -hmm. and the first or the second grader are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. um, but we have a lot of churches that have that situation. Absolutely. And so being able to um, in those sort of multi ages and I, and I feel like situations like that, even like looping back around to our classroom management, mm -hmm. um, can make classroom management more challenging, right. just like what we're saying. Cause one, you know, you've got different learners at all these different levels and you know, how do you keep older kids engaged? If you're teaching something that's more for younger kids, how do you right. not lose the younger kids and not um, have, you know, issues with um, classroom management and misbehavior. And so mm -hmm. Just creating different activities. So like, say you're like, man, you know, we really don't have that many kids. So we've got this wide age span. You should always have two adults. Always, no matter always, what. No matter what. Yeah. No always sense. should have the option to then split your group in two. And even though you're in the same room, you're in the same space, you can have, you know, younger kids go work on one activity that's more age appropriate or developmentally appropriate or have older kids go work on maybe a similar but more advanced or more complicated activity. And so even in those times where you're, it may be more difficult to teach to a wide variety of 
um, you know, ages, a wide variety of, you know, developmentally where they're at, and you may struggle <laughs> with classroom right. management, you, could, you should right. always have that option to sort of split them apart and do things that are age appropriate um, right. for, for two different groups, kind of create two different little groups within your main group. Right. Yeah. If you have to set up a multi-aged classroom, if mm -hmm. you don't have another option, then the best thing that you can do is to have extra sets of hands that can help mm -hmm. you. And Amen. if you have centers set up in the classroom so that they have different locations in the classroom, you'll, you'll need a larger space. Mm -hmm. And so you'll need to kind of think that through as you're planning that you will need a larger space for, for this, you know, for the setup and that you, to have those centers, to have those areas mm -hmm. so that you have somebody that takes them to the side. And I think that that's a great way to do it. If you are struggling with not having two leaders in a classroom is to put two groups together if they're small enough mm -hmm. to be able to do that and then just have a large classroom that you can divide up the areas and do some things together and something separately. And, mm -hmm. and so that gives you that flexibility to be able to do that a little right. bit more. And that even comes into play where if you can have youth, if, if that's possible to come in and help with that kind of thing where you would have two adults in the classroom, but maybe have some extra older, youth helper, older, yeah, yeah, older helpers that can come in, you know, and do some of those breakout kind of activities mm -hmm. in the classroom mm -hmm. so that the, the kids can stay a little bit closer with their age group when they're actually doing the activity. And so that's mm -hmm. huge. And the nice thing is, too, that there are publishers that produce um, broadly graded curriculum. Yes. So yes. they have a material that's actually written for churches that have multiple ages in a singular classroom. And so that kind of thing, I know it's not always easy for people to be able to purchase curriculum and it's really hard to, to be able to do that in some budgets and things like that. But if there's a way that you can get that type of material for that classroom, it's going to help you because they're already going to help you kind of divide out like this is what this age group can process and this is how they learn and this is this is the terminology they can understand and you know it can can help you kind of figure that out some. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so all of this kind of, um, you know, we talked a lot, really mostly our conversation has been about, you know, student engagement, teaching methodology, um, but sort of wrapping it back around to, um, you know, one, our, our main goal is to teach the Bible well, teach it effectively. Mm -hmm. It's it's the most important thing that we can teach these kids. Right. And so teaching it to the very best of our ability each and every week. And then also you know, utilizing that effective teaching as a way of keeping students engaged and in really our first line of defense in, in classroom management um, and preventing um, undesirable behaviors before they ever even start. Um, right. Right. And so that's, you know, teaching kids effectively, giving them a great experience. That's, that's what we want to do. Well, this is a fun topic. You could probably tell <laughs> we could be talking about this for another hour. A long time. There's just so much. And yeah. hopefully we've kind of, <laughs> as we've been talking, uh, I've been sort of mentally making notes of, oh, we need to spend some more time talking about this particular yeah. topic or this particular subject. So hopefully later on down the road, we will, we'll hit a little bit more information mm -hmm. for you more specifically on some of this, but it's been a fun, uh, a fun discussion, especially anytime you have learning <laughs> styles, you're going to get me excited. And so yes. yes. So um, we want to hear from you. If you have more specific questions about some of the things that we talked about today, put in the comments, let us know, um, because we would love to make sure that we are chatting about the things that you are interested in and the things that you need to know, because that is our heart. 
We are here to help you to be more effective in your ministry, to be more effective in your classrooms, um, and just to help you take a little bit of the pressure off so that you can find uh, find the things that you love to do when you're working with the kids and you're working in your church um, setting. So we're excited that you're with us today. Thank you so much. You guys have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Mm -hmm.